The reviews are in. It's the best thing I have ever tasted in my life. This is the best thing that's happened in my life, even better than my wedding. That's what everyone has to say about Man Cave Light, the official beer of the Dan Casper Show and the Man Cave Podcast. Try it for yourself, and you will know exactly why people say it's like sipping a little bit of heaven. Man Cave Light is available on tap at the bar in High V. You can also grab a crawler or six and take some Man Cave Light home with you. So go try your new favorite beer, Man Cave Light, today, and you will know exactly why one reviewer said, I cry tears of joy every time i have one brats are like the official food of wisconsin and now they come in so many different flavors and we're gonna get on that train as well because we are partnering with mike star market in eau claire to not only bring you one but two new brat flavors and a new snack sticks flavor one flavor of the brat will be the man cave light brat but we need your help in deciding what flavor the other brat should be and what flavor the snack sticks should be so just visit sportstalk1051.com and click on the enter and win tab tell us what flavors we should use and if we select yours you're gonna win a gift card from mike star market let's get creative and let's hear your flavor ideas for our new brats and snack sticks hello friends you've now entered the man cave podcast unplugged and unfiltered this is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-Vee and Toys and Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. This episode of the Man Cave Podcast is a Dan Casper Show instant replay. Segments from my radio show, the Dan Casper Show, replayed right here on the Man Cave Podcast. Enjoy. If you had to place most of the blame... On the 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 failure of this Packers, I I believe it's a failure. Matt Lafleur ended his presser say calling it a failure of a season. So if you had to, yeah, his exact quote: "We're not where we expected to be in that regard. It's a complete failure, complete failure." So if you had to, I guess designate most of the blame or put most of the blame on somebody or something, what would it be? Would it be the coaching staff? Would it be the players? Would it be the front office? I think those are probably the the top three out there. Now the easy answer could be, well, it's all all the above. D, all the above. It is. I mean, I think it's that's probably the correct answer. But if uh, you don't have option D and you just had to pick between those three, you know, because can't go 33.33333333333. Who gets the 34%? You know what I mean? Three divided by 100 is not even. So who gets the 34%? Who do you think gets slightly most of the blame if you had to pick one? Players not playing up to their ability. Coaches not coaching properly or up to their ability or the front office. Maybe, uh, uh, getting it wrong on some of their thoughts and decisions on player personnel. So, you know, let me know on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff there. But uh, let's kind of begin our 
our, our scouting assessment sort of thing when it comes to this uh, now that uh, this Packers team now that we are in the in the offseason here and because of uh, Matt LaFleur's presser yesterday I want to want to lead it off with the with the coaching staff and such because there was a couple of things that uh, I took away the most from uh, uh, from from the presser yesterday and I already went through them but the big ones for me were uh, it sure sounds like Joe Barry's coming back now I mean maybe he just didn't want to go out there you know day after or presser and and kind of just like start some speculation and, and that sort of thing possibly maybe I mean we'll we'll see but it sure sounds like that Joe Barry is going to be back next year kind of gave him a a, a, a an endorsement, if you will. Uh, the other thing is that uh, he did mention that he has talked to Nathaniel Hackett, has entertained bringing back Nathaniel Hackett, uh, and it has crossed Lafleur's mind about handing over play calling duties to somebody else. So that's kind of where I want why I want to lead off with you know looking at this coaching staff and such. And I know a lot of people are going to have some thoughts on on Joe Barry and a defensive. Uh, side of things here but I want to start off with with the offensive side of things and you know one of my biggest things or issues that this coaching staff has got to figure out is you got to come up with some better packages in the red zone I know I kind of went off on a little bit of a uh, tangent yesterday about the red zone but even LaFleur yesterday calling it piss poor talking about uh, their red zone offense and there's it's just it's it's inexplicable. It, it it was ugly this year. I mean, and 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 that and the thing is, I know you know Devonte Adams is is a big loss, but with some of the players that they had in offense and such, there should have been no reason why they were statistically one of the worst in the entire NFL. They finished twenty fourth in red zone touchdown rate and dead last. And goal to go touchdown efficiency. That's that's inexcusable. That's ugly. So whether that's and I know LaFleur designates a lot, or I should say designates, delegates a lot. And, you know, I know he kind of gives uh, his his assistant coaches, his offensive assistant coaches, you know, one will have like goal line packages, red zone packages, and two minutes or whatever, they'll come up with a game plan. Whoever came up or whoever designed the the red zone and maybe it's a little bit hand in hand because of the play caller of, of Matt Lafleur too, but they they got to fix something because that hasn't been working. Now I, I think it's maybe a little bit of both of maybe you know some of the packages whoever designs it, but also you know maybe Matt Lafleur play calling it and such. And and we will never ever ever know. We can always speculate. Everybody speculates, but we will never truthfully know one hundred percent the exact answer if any of those plays are the ones that were originally called or just at the line of scrimmage. We won't know. We can people will throw out like oh horrible play call, but we will never know if that was the original one or if it was an adjustment from the quarterback himself at the line of scrimmage. I mean we can tell once in a while. Are they fake audibles though too? That's the other thing. Are they fake cans? You hear Aaron, you know, will yell can, can, can at the line of scrimmage at times. Could be fake ones. He's done that before. We've heard about that before. 
trying to trick the defense. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I I'm kind of in favor of of Matt Lafleur giving up some play calling duties. And and it does you know, and I got to you know, and I'm one of those two that you know. I gotta kind of let it go and, and forget about it. But you know, he comes in and you know, first couple of years and especially the first year and the offense is looking good. You know, like him and Aaron, they've they've got uh you know, something working there. Got a good connection. The offense was, was doing some some darn good things. But uh, I think something's gotta change there and, and I think it's more so towards the the overall operation. You know, just just the overall thing, focusing on on the overall operation, and you can see examples of you know different teams where you know you look at the teams that are in the postseason right now, and you have examples of teams of where their head coach still calls the plays, or where their head coach doesn't. You know, Kyle Shanahan, Forty ers All right, he calls plays. Sean McDermott, Bills, he doesn't call plays. I mean, we see examples all across the board here. We see it. And I think maybe it's just, you know, why is that? You know, why does one team have success with their head coach calling plays? Whereas some don't, maybe, and some just, you know, have their head coach manning the sidelines and and overseeing the whole operation, and that's better suited for that team. Why is that? Well, I think if people knew, maybe we'd see more of one way or the other. You know what I mean? So, but, and and maybe it's just the way how the head coach kind of delegates certain responsibilities and, and that sort of thing. But I think I would be okay with it. Now, I know for, for some, a lot of people may not like the idea of Nathaniel Hackett potentially calling plays for the Packers because they'll be like, well, look what happened in the uh, Denver, dude couldn't even finish out his first year, and that offense stunk. Hey, I mean that's a legit concern. It's a legit concern, but maybe this is the glass half full approach. Maybe it's kind of a similar situation. Whereas, you know, maybe he'd do better at at calling plays instead of focusing on the overall operation. Maybe, possibly. But I think that is something that Matt LaFleur has to seriously kind of consider. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to be involved in like game planning and the offensive game planning or, or anything like that. I think he'd still be heavily involved into that. But, you know, in terms of calling the plays, I, I, I'd i be open to that. I would be open to that. I'd be curious to see who he would designate because I don't know if there's somebody – uh, currently on the roster, or currently, excuse me, currently on this coaching staff that I'd be okay with with passing because you know it's it's very rough. Tom Clements. I don't think is is going to be that guy. Who knows if Tom Clements is even going to come back next year? I know he's got a little bit of experience with that, you know, with Aaron for a few games at least, and under the Mike McCarthy era, I believe he called plays when he was offensive coordinator in Buffalo uh, at the beginning of the two thousands and such. But I don't know if that would be that would be Aaron. Or, excuse me, if that would be Tom Clements. Adam Stenovich. Yeah, I don't know. Are you ready to hand play calling maybe off to him? Would you rather see maybe a more established offensive coordinator type of person? 
I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But I'd be okay with that on the offensive side of things. I do think, you know, I do want to give a little bit of positivity after, um, you know, maybe an off or a, the beginning of the season kind of mumbled, jumbled with, you know, plug and play with their offensive line. But I thought Luke Buck is the, the offensive line coach for what he was given and some of the uh, some of the hurdles that he had to clear with injuries and, you know, trying to plug in different pieces there. I thought he did a, a good job this year overall. Now, I know Royce Newman, you know, losing his starting spot, he probably hasn't developed into, you know, the player that the that the Packers expected. They gave him a plenty of opportunities there uh, to get in there. But I thought Luke Buckus, who took over as the, full, uh, as the head offensive line coach, he was the assistant the last couple of years under Adam Stenovich, but Luke Buck is coming over there. Given, you know, the unknowns of of having David Bakhtiari, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he going to have to, you know, split snaps and and switch out here and there? And then the Elton Jenkins thing, and 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 you know, Zach Tom, a rookie, playing a lot of snaps. It was a lot to juggle. It was a lot to juggle for a first time full on offensive line coach. And I'm sure you know he got help from Adam Stenovich, who's got a lot of experience coaching the offensive line, obviously. But I thought Luke Buckus did a, a a good job, given what he was, you know, forced or, a, you know, what happened with the offensive line this year. Might might have started off pretty slow. Might have started off pretty like, oh boy, what is wrong with this group? But overall, I thought he did a good job. I thought he did a good job. And then you know, if you want to look at. Uh, you know, like maybe the some of the other uh, um, coaches on this. You know, Jason Vrabel, who's the wide receivers coach and and uh, passing game coordinator. You know, wide receivers coach tabbed with. Hey, you don't have a Devonte Adams anymore, and he was promoted to wide receivers coach uh, slash passing game coordinator this year. But he had to work a lot with with the younger wide receivers. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Trying to get them up to speed as as quickly as possible, so I mean that was a tough task too for him to get some rookies ready to go right away. Uh you know special teams, Rich Basaccia. I mean, I would say he did a fairly good job, right? You know, maybe it took a while to finally move on from from Amari Rogers, and again, that was that's that whole question is like, oh, okay, Keyshawn Nixon, okay, he doesn't have a whole lot of dinner. I don't think he had any returning experience with the Raiders, but there were some people out there kind of saying, you know, he was with the Raiders. Why didn't you make the move a little bit sooner if he knew about Keyshawn Nixon? Well, probably didn't have a ton of experience returning kicks and such. Or maybe it was a decision from, you know, upstairs and that sort of thing where they wanted to keep giving Mario Rogers opportunities. But, you know, putting Keyshawn Nixon in there, it changed the offensive line. Thought Mason Crosby had a solid year this year. He had some consistency with Pat O'Donnell bringing in a veteran punter uh, with that group. Yeah, there were some blocking issues, a couple block punts and, and uh, field goals and such. But overall, thought it was an improvement from from the previous years with that special teams group. I thought it was an improvement. Oh, so let's move to to the defense now. So. We got a couple things we can we can go with this group here, right? We got a couple different ways here. 
I mean, if we really, really, really wanted to break down everything. But let's kind of focus on on Joe Barry here a little bit. So Joe Barry, as Matt LaFleur said yesterday, he sure seems like he's going to be coming back. Gave him a kind of an endorsement yesterday. Statistically, the numbers had did improve in the last few games of the season. Whether there's some uh, some of you out there that would care to admit it, it they they did. The numbers did get better a little bit uh, in in the last few games. I'm trying to find like what would have been the last five. I saw the rankings. I think. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact numbers here. But they would have been top 10 in points and yards allowed in the last, let's say, quarter of the of the season here. Let's see if I can try to. Yeah, here we go. This was from Ryan Wood. Uh, Packers' defensive resurgence in the final five games almost certainly earned Joe Barry a third season. Defense allowed 365.5 yards and 21.8 points per game this season ranking 17th league-wide in both. But in the last five games, they averaged 322 yards, 17.6 points per game, and that would have ranked 8th and 2nd, respectively. So they would have ranked, if you look at just the last quarter of the season or the last five games of the season, Packers Packers defense ranked 8th in yards, given up and second in points given up i would agree that that probably saved joe barry's job but i would i I think he's still got you know there's got to be something where you know this is a tough one for me because i mean it was pretty darn bad in the first 12 games. You know, those five games, great. Awesome. But what about those first 12? You know what I mean? Like, what about those first 12? How do you account for that? Great that the last five, they they started to play maybe up to their level there a little bit. But what about those first 12? Can we just ignore those first 12 games? And I'm all about consistency. And I know that's something that LaFleur kind of brought up yesterday about having consistency with um uh with with the defense or with the coaching staff having consistency there but i mean for and that's where i guess i kind of go back to that to that question of the of the day if you will is like where do you if you had to pick between these three all the above is not an option because i want you to pick one if you had to pick who or what gets most of the blame for the failure of the season? Is it the players not playing up to their level? Is it the coaches? Or is it uh, the front office? You know, that's where I look at this defense. It's like, okay, was it the scheme? Was it the play calling? Or was it maybe the front office? And, and I guess a lot of us as fans who overanalyzed how good this defense was going to be. Like, we, we got it wrong. I mean, we were thinking this was going to be a top five unit for crying out loud based off the players on paper. Like, we were already crowning them on paper. So was that us in the front office, like, just overanalyzing or overthinking it or just getting it completely wrong with these defensive players? Or or was it the coaching staff? 
You know, I kind of go back to training camp. Remember in training camp, preseason practices, defense was like dominating the offense. And now you kind of look at it, it's like, well, the offense really started off slow, so how much can we say about that with the defense? But then on the flip side, you're like, well, what the heck happened to the defense then if they were dominating the offense? I mean, you, it, it's it's a circle, and you just like it's like a hamster wheel, and you keep going back and forth on this thing. So this one's really tough for me. And, and, you know, again, I'm all about consistency, but, you know, great. You know, Matt LaFleur said, although it wasn't always pretty, I think we did start to improve as the year went on. I thought we saw more of an identity. Cool. Great with those last five. But you still have to account for the first 12, don't you? You have to account for that. I mean, did it take up until the bye week for... For you know the defense to adjust and to change up their scheme a little bit, and if so, why did it have to take to the bye week? Why couldn't you do that earlier? I get, hey, you get an extra week off to prepare, but I mean, come on, I want to see. You know, I, I I don't, I'm not one of those that likes to try to plug players into certain roles if they're not that great at it. I like, I like building game plans and and teams based off of players' strengths. You know what I mean? Like, It's like the whole running quarterback Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields thing. Well, are you going to game... Are you just going to like tell them not to run at all? Or are you going to try to utilize their strengths? And I think that's something that was missing from these game plans, from this scheme, for the most part of the season, especially at the beginning, is not utilizing your players to their best of their abilities. And that's not to excuse some of these players because there was some poor play too. You know, before Rashawn Gary got hurt, you know, he needs to improve setting the edge a little bit more, over-pursuing quite a bit. Adrian Amos had a down year for most people. Darnell Savage, down year. I mean, there was players too that weren't playing up to that level. But I think easily the most disappointing part of this team, based off the expectations that we had for them this year, was the defense. And if this is a defense that's supposed to be built upon a lead, you know, a lead that the offense gives them, that was short-sighted because we all knew, and even Aaron and this offense talked about at the beginning of the year, there's going to be growing pains. It's going to be different. It's kind of an unknown so, I mean, if you were relying on your offense to still give you leads and your defense was built on that, I think that's extremely short-sighted because you were putting even more pressure on an unproven offense, unproven players, to give you that lead. And there's no excuse. I mean, they had leads anyways against the Giants in London. I mean, they had leads in other games, yet they still collapsed. Offense collapsed, too. Defense was out there quite a bit. It was hand in hand. So, if Joe Barry is back, there's easily got to be some changes in terms of philosophy or schematically or or, or something. The staff's got to get on the same page. Because it looked like at the beginning of the year, too, where, you know, like, and I know I got to take a break coming up here, but I'm Getting a little animated here, but like Jerry Gray, their their defensive backs coach, 
passing game coordinator. Remember earlier in the season when it was the whole question about press coverage and all that sort of stuff, and, and Jerry Gray's like, that's a question for Joe Barry. It kind of seemed like there was a little bit of a discord between coordinator and assistant coaches. This group's got to get on the same page. I don't want to see improvement at the end of the season. I want to see him, I want to see a defense that dominates from week 1 to week 17. Week 18, whatever the heck we're at now. That's what I want to see. So if Barry's back next year, it's got to be on a thin line. It's got to be on a thin line. I mean, I think we expected this defense to take a jump not only because of the players that they got, but even that 49ers game in the playoffs. Defense played well in that game. They only allowed six points on offense, not counting the block punt. Six points on offense against Kyle Shanahan and such. All right. Turning up. Now we're going to add some players. Why did they take a step back? All right. I went off too long, so we got to take a break. We'll have more coming up after these quick words. Forgot to give you the, uh, the pop quiz question, the Tuesday pop quiz. So I'm going to do that right now. It's pop quiz time. Think you know the answer? Then get ready to text, tweet, or Facebook your answer to Dan. All right, so last night we see, or seen, we saw the biggest lopsided national championship game ever. 58 points. 58 points. Your pop quiz, your Tuesday pop quiz question, without looking it up, Without looking it up, who now has the second, or what? which national championship game is now the second on that list for the most lopsided national championship game of all time? We'll give you the answer just uh, past 7 o'clock there. Forgot to give it to you before the break there, but you can uh, let us, give me your guesses. And I will say, if we're looking at the uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, like the top 8 there, uh, a lot of really recent. We'll just that that's my one hint. Fairly recent. So but yeah, fifty-eight points difference yesterday. Ooh. Uh, a couple of uh uh texts here, Living Dream Jeff, morning dance, me LaFleur is the head coach. He oversees and should have control uh of the team's performance on the field. I think uh, we had the players, but zone defense has proven not to work with the players we have. I would also uh, have Rodgers under center more often. He has proven over the years he's better in play action and would also help the running backs get ahead of steam before they hit the line. Living a dream. Jeff, Surveyor Sam, DK, you know what grinds my gears? LaFleur's presser. First off, you better be demoting Joe Barry because he should not be defensive coordinator. It took you till now to realize you shouldn't be calling plays. You have become complacent and stale in your play calling, relying too much on Rodgers uh, to make a play. And finally, front office. You had years to build depth at receiver position with quality, and you decided to draft a wide receiver in the fourth to seventh rounds uh, majority of the years and built on quantity. And when we had no experience at the beginning of the year, you decided to bring a guy who hasn't had any impact since 2015. Get the heck out of here and realize all of you sucked this year. There you go, living a dream. Or, excuse me, Surveyor Sam right there. All right, so that's a good one. I like that. 
Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking? Those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. Family owned and operated, Toys and Ford is proud to serve the drivers of the Chippewa Valley with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the area the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand new vehicles to choose from, as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover SUV and trucks. Plus, with their expert finance, service, and parts centers in-house, they strive to be your one-stop dealership for all of your automotive needs. Visit them today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa falls uh catching up with our good friends from the chip of steel no coach we get kyle back in studio how's it going man hey dan thanks for having us on really appreciate it you got and, it it's uh, good to see you again great, man. great to see you last time was very enjoyable yeah you know, talking to you so, so good to be back we were talking a little off air but you had a good holiday able to spend some time with family and friends back it, out east a little it bit it was great yeah. yeah able to go home a little bit with family and friends like you said and just Having like a ten day break yeah. in the middle of our season like that is is really nice to kind of reset mm-hmm. and get ready for the second half. Exactly. So um, you know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, splitting against Janesville this past weekend. I mean it's still kind of a race within your division. And, you know it seems like a game or two can make all the difference uh, in the standings right now. I mean it's kind of been that way throughout the whole season though too, hasn't it? It has, you know, from first place to seventh place is knotted up by just a couple of points. And Mm -hmm. uh, obviously the top four make the playoffs. I believe we're sitting fifth or potentially sixth right now. Um, But we're we're right there in striking distance. Had a split, like you said, in Janesville this week, but had a lot of chances just unable to convert in that second game. But Mm -hmm. we feel like we have a team that is extremely talented. It's just about putting it together consistently yeah and i know coach uh, has talked a lot you know he talks a lot about the players and such but some cool stories coming from these players too like your your goalie we were talking a lot about uh, last week was coach casey but it seems like this year too a lot of kids or I, sh- I keep calling them kids but i mean they kind of are kids right you know yeah 16 to 20 year olds yeah. i mean they're still young and mm-hmm. um obviously learning the game every single day and but I think what you were trying to say is like we have a lot of guys that are taking big strides on the college levels, getting right. a lot of commits. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would say more so than any of the previous years. You know, and I know it's a young team, but you know, once in a like it seems like almost every week or so, I'm seeing you guys post, "Hey, we got another player who committed to this university or going to this college," and and, and that's fantastic. And that's pretty much one of the main goals with this too is making sure those guys take the next step in their hockey careers 100 percent you know the the north american hockey league is the league of opportunity and a lot of these guys want to take that next step at the division one level and i can tell you right now we got a couple of more commits rolling in mm-hmm. here I and mean, we, we're going to have a team that's full of division one players really by the end of the year wow these guys are, are really talented and so obviously like when we're when we're losing it's not lack of talent you know it's right. just about putting it together and like playing together as a team everyone's got to buy in to mm-hmm. what coach casey and and the staff is really trying to say so but we have we have guys we have two guys on our team headed to wisconsin you know to be future badgers Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple of big names going to minnesota duluth or minnesota state so um these are big colleges big time hockey universities and that's really exciting for a lot of these players absolutely so you guys uh kind of a little break this weekend right 
kind of no do. game scheduled this weekend, so we have a bye week. Mm-hmm. We just kind of came off that holiday break, though, so it's right awkward timing. Um, but we do have a couple of guys that are still recovering from either injury or illness. Mm-hmm. So to get back healthy again to really push for the playoffs here is going to be important. Yeah, I know Coach mentioned last week. I think uh, a lot of kids were kind of under the weather or getting that bug that was traveling, you know, through the locker room and such. So maybe yeah. it's kind of a blessing to to have this bye week a little bit. I would agree. Like yeah. we just gonna need to reset here and just focus on like the things that we're good at, mm-hmm. so that you know when we're ready to go for against the division leading Minnesota Wilderness in two weeks, you know mm-hmm. we're gonna give it our best effort. Yeah, uh, we got uh, one home game just in the month of January left here, coming up on the 20th. Uh, first Responders Night, which is awesome to, to recognize the, the first responders there. And, and you mentioned it, that is that is against the Wilderness, too. So that's a not only is it a great night promotional-wise, but a great matchup against the, the leader in your division. 100%. Um, from my perspective, you know, obviously being like the director of marketing and operations, so that's going to be a really exciting night, you know, mm-hmm. to honor the first responders who do so much for our community and Obviously, you see, even on the grandest of stages in the NFL, you know, obviously first responders and um, your EMTs, they come in in huge, you know, so to to obviously celebrate that, all first responders will get in free for that game, and then it should be a great crowd, which is exciting on that Friday night, January 20th, but then, like you said, Minnesota Wilderness, we've played four games against them this year, three of them have gone to overtime, we've won two, lost two, so we can compete with them. Mm-hmm. It should be another solid matchup, and uh, looking forward to that weekend. Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking ahead to your schedule after that too. It's going to be a grind after that too. I mean, just nonstop action. Mm-hmm. You know, after the wilderness, you, you got rematches against Janesville, uh, in-state rival uh, with, with Janesville. Then you're at uh, going up against Kenai Springfield, and then uh, you got quite a few road games coming up for for the rest of your schedule coming up here too. We do, and and I think being on the road is beneficial to our group. Our home record is just about 500. Mm-hmm. If you look at the division and you kind of focus on the away, everybody in the division actually has a better road record than they really? do at home, which I find interesting. Yeah, like one team in particular, Kenai River, I think is 14 and two on the road, and and that's not like a close. I mean, they yeah. got to travel further than what a lot of teams. <laughs> exactly, do. <laughs> they're they're one of those Alaska teams, yeah. and even Fair, Fairbanks. When we went there, it was a raucous environment. Mm-hmm. Usually, they have the best home record in the league. Just just not this year for whatever reason. Um, so I think that that road magic could rub off on us a little bit. It limits distractions. We go on the bus, we focus on the game, we get off, and we play. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that that's a little bit more beneficial for us than just being at home and kind of just strolling in and going through the motions. You know, right. more focused as a group on the road. Yeah, that's that's you don't you, you're right. You do not see that very often. We were just talking about this with like basketball the other day about home and away records and just like. The, the discrepancy between some of the best teams with their home and away records, and it's kind of a little bit of the opposite for, for your league right now. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, when you break it down, home and away in hockey, it, it's about 500. It doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference um, when you look at this level or even at the professional levels. But like you said, basketball, NBA, Big mm-hmm. Ten, yeah. I mean, those environments make a difference, yep. and uh, we, we do see discrepancies a lot between mm-hmm. home and away. You're, you're right, because you are a Big Ten guy. Uh, yep. You've gone to Penn State, so do you still kind of pay attention, keep tracks of all the stuff that's going on in the Big Ten? Oh, everything. Yeah. Every day. Yeah? Yeah. Even I, a little hoops action on there, too, for, yeah, for the Big bit. Ten? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I saw Rutgers got the upset versus Purdue. Penn yeah. State played Purdue at the Palestra and fell in that one. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know Wisconsin's 
very good in basketball in the Big Ten pretty consistently. Not quite sure how they're doing this year. You'll have to catch me up on that. But Ranked 18th right now, but uh, they got a little injuries kind okay. of crawling up. they got Michigan State tonight, so that's always going to be a tough one. With yeah, they're, good, going they're a good ba- basketball yeah. Program as well. So I got to ask: When you were a student at Penn State, when you guys played like Wisconsin in football or anything like that, did you was that kind of like a? I don't want to say rivalry because I don't think it's a, necessarily a rivalry. Yeah. But did you guys kind of get amped up? What was the feeling like as a, as a student getting ready for like a Badger football? Game? Yeah, when when Penn State was playing Wisconsin, mm-hmm. especially when we were at home, it was like, uh oh, that one of the best teams from the West Division is here to play, and we have to bring our in game. You know, Penn State obviously has aspirations to make the biggest bowl games in the playoff and stuff. So when they had, probably at that time, especially while I was a student, Wisconsin was the best in the West. Mm -hmm. And it was about how can they, you know, take them down to continue their season when you already have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State on your schedule. Right. It makes it really tough, you know, and... um, I won't say that the West has it easier, but <laughs> but not having to play Michigan and Ohio State every single year yeah. certainly should be a blessing. It's going to be different now with USC and UCLA coming over here. It's going to be for really the big time. really strange. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready for it. It's I, I'm, I can't I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to recognize those two teams as a Big Ten team. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't yeah. sound right. No, you know, it, when you say it, it just doesn't to me. But I think that that's the direction college football is headed in i mean mm-hmm. i don't want to get too sidetracked but uh, my prediction is that we're going to get into two mega conferences that are just going to consolidate mm-hmm. and that's going to be your typical nfc afc nfl style yeah. i don't know for sure but that's it kinda, it's like almost like a northern versus southern type of feel because i'm assuming yes. you're referring to like the sec and the big 12 and all 100%. those guys combining down there yes and obviously oklahoma and texas joining yep. the sec and all that stuff so it's it's going to be interesting yeah, yeah. i kind of i was wondering about that a lot when this first announced like could it ever happen where you got those two mega conferences right there and i like the expansion of 12 teams in the playoff we saw mm-hmm. yesterday just oh. a trouncing yeah. But I would like to see more of like a tournament style mm-hmm. get to the best two teams, you know, at the end. Right, uh, definitely. So I got, you know, back to when you were a Penn State kid, was it Ohio State your biggest rivalry or was it uh, Michigan? Or I would say it's pretty split. I mean, a lot of okay. people are just pretty frustrated with Ohio State having Penn State's number over the years, but mm-hmm. people are just frustrated with Michigan fan base. They think they're they're just better than everybody. And mm-hmm. so some people just didn't like Michigan more for that reason alone. So it was kind of more like the, yeah. you know, they didn't like Ohio State because they were good. You know, they, they yes. were good. And then yes. Michigan because of, bam, <laughs> that makes sense. We, we see that a lot with, with, with some with some teams out there yeah. and their rivals. No, for sure. And obviously those games were always the big whiteout games whenever they mm-hmm. were in Beaver Stadium. So, like, everybody got fired up on a Saturday night, you know, in primetime college game day. It was it's a lot right. of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, since you're here, I got to ask a couple of like NHL stuff uh, okay. with you too, because I know you're a you're a Devils fan, and I think the last time that you were on, that was that win streak that the Devils were on. Uh, yeah. They were in that middle of that crazy winning streak. There, it's kind of settled down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they're second in in their in their division right now. But when you kind of how how often are you able to kind of still keep tabs on on what's going on in the NHL and such? Uh, the NHL is my favorite, right? Yeah. So I just every day, you yeah. know, I, there's so many talented players out there, and I just love watching the game. And um, hockey is just unmatched to me. So yeah, the Devils were in that 13 game win streak. It's cooled down a lot, uh, but obviously, just from around the league, everybody is. Everybody's good. It's, mm-hmm. You know, there's no nights off in the National Hockey League, even in our league, the North American Hockey League. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's been exciting this season. I'm just keeping tabs on the Minnesota Wild too, since I'm around here. Yep. And 
they're kind of up and down, a little inconsistent, kind of like we are right now. So mm-hmm. um, I, I really, it's a good league. Yeah, NHL is. Uh, so if I had to ask you right now at this point, and I know we got a lot of hockey left to be played, but Boston or the Field? Would you take Boston or the Field? I'm actually taking the Field. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking a couple teams. Carolina Hurricanes right now. I just mm-hmm. think are a complete team. Uh, up and down their lineup. I don't see a weakness. I understand Boston is unbelievable, 31-4-4. Four and four. Mm-hmm. But the last time the team that won the President's Trophy for the best regular season record won the Stanley Cup, I, I, I can't even recall it. Mm. it just that That's an NBA thing. Right. That doesn't happen in the NHL. More often than not, the, the President's Trophy is actually out in the first round. It's it's very funky. It's yeah. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is almost like round number one of March Madness. It's just unpredictable mm-hmm. so good nugget right there yeah. that's a good one. is there a team that you think okay you know maybe not having the greatest season so far but you'd be like i i wouldn't still count them out to maybe make a run or get hot at the right time yeah good good question um there's a couple teams that are sitting outside a playoff position right now that i still think are going to strike uh the buffalo sabers are an interesting one i i don't know if they're going to be good or not mm-hmm. um I like what I'm. I, I think Florida Panthers are still extremely talented. They won the President's Trophy last year, mm-hmm. but they're off to a slow start this season. So watch out for those two teams. Um, yeah, I, I just think that I think Vegas is also poised to go for a Stanley Cup run as well in the West. The West is weaker than mm-hmm. the East, so we'll see if they have what it takes to to make a run at the Stanley Cup. Good stuff there. So uh, we were talking off the air as well. Um, I, you were a Jet. You are a Jets fan. And you actually got to go to Lambeau, so you got to cross that off. Was that a bucket list for you all for for the most of your life? Or absolutely okay, yeah. I, so give us your your thoughts. First time at Lambeau, what was it like? First time in Lambeau, I walk in and I'm like, I don't know what to expect, but mm-hmm. I I actually see like the big giant like team store first, yep. and I, my eyes just lit up. <laughs> I was like, this is magnificent. Just how much memorabilia and how many people were in there mm-hmm. purchasing merchandise, like. What I w- found really interesting was from the drive from here, Eau Claire, all the way over to Green Bay, it was nothing but cornfields and <laughs> yep. flat lands, and then boom, stadium. Right. And it was bizarre to me because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the East, it's obviously more urban population. So I get to the stadium and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, right next to the stadium is this house <laughs> and somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. And I, it to me just, didn't register that there wasn't big parking lots and yep. everybody was parking and just like do you like i remember yards yeah i yeah. i remember so like where the title town district is so when i started and this wasn't that long ago kmart and big lots was right there and then you had a whole <laughs> like a little rinky dinky hotel and a bar i mean it was can you imagine like that whole title town thing it was just nothing but like strip malls and a kmart and a big lots and a hardy's was yeah. sitting right there, crazy, and then next know. to the stadium, or next to next to it all, a, a stadium. It's a yeah, a stadium, and then you're right, neighborhoods right next yeah. to it. And so. I was impressed by the atmosphere. And those Packers mm-hmm. fans, they get on their feet, they make a lot of noise, and um, we didn't. We had one of the higher up seats, but there's not a bad seat in the house. No, I don't just think the way so that it's built, it's just around mm-hmm. the stadium. It, it's it's kind of like a in, college stadium, a little 100%. bit. Hundred percent. It's like. Yeah. And it, intimate, you know, mm-hmm. with the bleacher seats and everything. So I have a lot of respect for Packers fans going out there braving the cold elements every year, <laughs> but they sell out every game, it seems. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah definitely. So I got to ask with the playoff starting, who do you who do you got going to the Super Bowl? 
before the season started, I picked the Kansas City Chiefs. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with that prediction. Um, I just think that they have the best odds. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you can't out, you can't count out any team right now. Yeah. Um, I just, I would say, I, I actually people are going to really hate me for this. I, I just think the Dallas Cowboys are a sleeper team. I said it before you were on the air. Really? Too, so, I, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of fans that, you know, if I can see if, them win, losing their first game, but then also. I can see them going run. on a run. Yeah. I just I just can. I People, you know, maybe Dak Prescott's uh, not having his best season, but mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, they have a pretty good team. I mean, their defense is for real. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just I think they could go on a run. That's my sleeper pick of the playoffs. So you sure. got like a Chiefs and Cowboys Super Bowl matchup. That's that's going to be my pick. That's not, be interesting. That's kind of where I was leaning towards really? too, to be honest with you. Like I'm trying to talk myself out of it, but well, who who do you have? Like who, who's t- another team in the, another team that you think could make it? You think? I, I mean, Buffalo. You got to factor them in, yeah. in into the thing too. Um, you know, Cincinnati's playing really well too. Uh, they, I could see yeah. them going back to it. I think in the AFC, it's like a three team. You know, it's it's Buffalo, Kansas City, or Cincinnati. I would think going to Agreed. represent the AFC, the NFC, and I'm not trying to diss Philadelphia or anything like that, but you could be Philadelphia. I think it could be Dallas. Um, I'm not, and I'm not trying to pick on the Vikings. I'm just not sold on their defense. I don't like the Vikings' chances. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. The NFC is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, you know, and, and I San think Francisco, that, but again, right. it's Brock Purdy. And I'm not trying to diss him, but it's like you're kind of waiting for the Brock Purdy game to like, oh, that's why he was a seventh round pick. Exactly. You know? Like, there's no. I think that he could definitely turn into a really you know strong player. He's obviously played the year really well, but I'm not going to say system QB. Right. But, I mean, like that's he's he has a lot of surrounding talent that's helping him out, which really makes the difference. I think that the Eagles, the way that they finished the year as slow as they did, just kind of scraping by, doesn't have me convinced. You know, the Cowboys obviously lost, but. Uh, after losing games, if you look at their record when they lose games, they've rattled off four in a row consistently. Mm-hmm. So all they got to do is win four in a row again. I don't think that it's good nugget. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and Vikings, I, I'm not sold on them. Obviously, their defense, they're winning games by the slightest of margins. Eventually, it's going to come down to earth, just like TCU last night, winning games by the slightest of margins. Yeah, another purple team in the Vikings. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't think that they're going to. Make it, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll really see. It should, it, it should be fun. I wish Green Bay was in there, but it is what it is. So, did, are you so like? Did you go to the game? I did not, and yeah. I, I had a chance. But I'm kind of you know those late games, and then coming back here for morning show. I'm sounding like an old man, but it, <laughs> it, it, it catches up to you. But uh, so, are you like? What's your biggest rival if you're a Jets fan? Is it the Patriots? I'd say it's the Patriots. Yeah, yeah just because they were so good for so long. And do you have any like feelings with the Giants or anything like? Is there really? I don't like the Giants. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't think so. Most you and Jets Casey fans... must really kind of because I know Casey's a Giants yeah, fan. Yeah, he, he's a Giants <laughs> fan. No, we, we don't butt heads too much because they never play, right? I right. Mean, just preseason. It yeah, seems just, like. just the Snoopy Bowl. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> it in the preseason. That's all I got. But no, I just I just think that. It's always in New York, especially around the, the the market that I'm from. It's always like big brother, little brother kind of thing. It's the Yankees over the Mets. It's the Giants over the Jets. The Rangers over the Devils, and mm-hmm. and the Knicks even I'd say is are going to be the front page over the Nets more consistently. Yeah. So that kind of dynamic makes things interesting, but we'll see because right now I think that the the younger teams are maybe like the Mets, Jets, Devils kind of thing are starting to creep up there and. 
um, starting to win more consistently finally. So yeah, we'll see. Definitely. So uh, to wrap it up again, steel uh, bye week here for for the guys. Uh, but then next week, I uh, got a home game, the last one in January, uh, first responders night. As uh, Kyle said, if you're a first responder, you get in for free. So it's a packed house, but it's a big game total, too, because of the standings going up against the wilderness. So Hope to see everybody there. We should have a lot of promotions that night. And mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't been to a game yet, I would highly encourage it. Chippewa Steel, high-quality hockey right in Chippewa Falls, and it's a blast. Rally the Valley, right? Rally the Valley. We're, we're hoping for great fan bases consistently for the rest of the year. Awesome. Kyle, appreciate you stopping in, man. Good catching up with you again. Thank you, Dan. As always, really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. And a reminder, never miss an episode of the Man Cave Podcast by subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast. We're already on your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. And don't forget to give us a solid rating too. That way other people can find the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we'll see you in the Man Cave.